Welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out-of-this-world conversations with extraordinary people. And today I am so excited to have Isha Patel on, and I'll tell you about her in just a moment, but first I just want to make a few announcements. So first, if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. If you're listening to it on any of the podcast stations, we'd love your feedback. And if you're watching it on Facebook, again, we would love your comments. So be sure to, again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And just a couple more announcements that I have. So remember my newest book, Connection to the Cosmos, Remembering Your Galactic Heritage and Embracing Your Oneness is now available on my website, mysticmanta.com in the shop, as well as on Amazon. And so for those of you that perhaps are in a different country, Amazon is a better way to do that. So Isha, she's living in um, Australia. So we know that that's going to be a better way to ship. I also have my Connection to the Cosmos Oracle deck available um, on my shop. And if you're visiting Hawaii, come visit me on one of my big island UFO tours. We do those almost every night. And stay tuned for the date for the Galactic Retreat in 2023. Okay, so now it is my pleasure. I'm going to bring Isha on. Hi, Isha. Hi, and Lisa. I'm going to just tell them a little bit about you, and then we'll jump right into the conversation. Okay, so Isha Patel is an international channeler, speaker, author, and healer. She's the founder of the Origin Activation Method, a powerful multidimensional energy healing modality that is currently being taught to world-class coaches, speakers, and entrepreneurs. In the last five years, Isha has helped over 10,000 people awaken and step into their purpose with abundance. Isha now helps six and seven-figure transformational leaders multiply their transformational abilities 10 times to make quantum leaps in their businesses for maximized profit, impact, and ease with origin activation. You can learn more and connect with Isha at www.ishapatel.com. So good to have you here, Isha. Thank you so much. I have been looking forward to this chat for a while because I know you and I vibe on very similar levels when it comes to the whole galactic side of things. Yeah, well, I can't wait to hear about how you, how that all came about for you. But the very first thing that I ask all my guests um, to start is, what kind of household did you grow up in? Was it spiritual? Was it religious? Like, what? give us some background on how you grew up. Great, great question. So, so my background, I'm born in India and my mom is Hindu and my dad is Muslim. Now, if you know anything about Indian culture back in those times, that was a very controversial pairing. So typically back then, most people in India would have an arranged marriage, right? Whereas my parents had what we would call there a love marriage. So they were the, the rebels, the black sheep of their families. They went off with each other and both the families hated it. Um, and so it was very interesting for me growing up with that diversity in the household because on the one hand, I would watch my, my dad doing the Muslim prayers when I was younger and then my mum would take me to the Hindu temples. And so I was exposed actually to both, but then add on top of that, they put us kids in a Catholic school all the way through growing up. So I actually grew up with the Bible stories. So I grew up, you know, with the parables and the scriptures and all this, the stories about Jesus and Moses. We did the Old Testament, the New Testament. 
So that was my upbringing. And it wasn't until probably my later sort of uh, teenage and early 20s where I branched off more into spirituality. Um, I explored the Baha'i faith. I went on Baha'i pilgrimage. So I guess my, my spiritual and religious upbringing has always been one of diversity, which I think has kept me very open-minded to the experiences that came later on in life. Yeah, that is amazing. And um, I do know a little bit about Hinduism and Muslim. Um, my my first ex-husband, he's actually Indian. He's the father of my daughter. And so I got to learn about, about your culture somewhat by being married to him. Um, and so that's, that's a lot to take in and process as a kid growing up, it seems like, because you you have, you know, the idea of reincarnation in Hinduism, right? Where in the Muslim faith, reincarnation isn't really a thing, is it? I don't know as much about the Muslim faith as I do about the Hindu. And I think that's because, um, I mean, there's, you know, on, at a personal level, there was conflict on both sides. And then the, my dad's Muslim parents didn't want him practicing things. And so I guess I had a bit of a mismatch of information coming through to me. Um, so I don't, I mean, I don't specifically know what the Muslim perspective is on reincarnation. I do know that in Hinduism, there's multiple deities and you have, uh, you do definitely have that concept of reincarnation. The fascinating thing for me though, was that, I mean, because I learned it as a kid, that was my normal. So I didn't actually think it was anything abnormal until I got to school. And then, you know, in, in high school, you learn, um, well, cause I went to a Catholic school we had a religion class every day. And then when we got to year 12, they, they changed that into beliefs and values. And so we learned about like a diversity of different things. It wasn't until then that I started to realize that other people didn't grow up with these beliefs. So I was like, oh, maybe maybe I'm a bit different. You know, okay. um, for me, it was just normal. Like I just, I just always grew up like that. And the one thing that my parents always did teach me, even with their diversity of religion, was just, just to trust in God. You know, they really taught me how to trust in God. And there was always that that underlying premise of the universe is looking out for you. God is looking out for you. Trust in the process. You will always have everything that you need. Those were some of the beliefs that were ingrained from a very young age. And I think, you know, later on down the track, when it did come to business and abundance and all that sort of stuff, and I'm sure, you know, the challenges of starting a business, yeah. those beliefs really helped me. So not necessarily from any particular religion per se but just the concept that there is a god and that we're not here on this planet alone i think was fundamental to eventually landing me where i am today yeah beautiful well i mean and i grew up in a very like open-minded metaphysical household but i got exposed to a lot of different religions as well so i would love to know then how your galactic connection happened and, and how does that show up for you so the galactic side of things really came in probably around my mid-20s. That was when I had a massive, massive spiritual awakening and it was catalyzed by uh, going through a breakup. Then I went through that whole process of moving out of home. I dropped out of uni. I suddenly decided to book a trip to Mount Shasta, which, as you know, in Hawaii is a very powerful destination. I actually went to Hawaii as well. So um, I had a friend in Hawaii that I met up with and I, I was connecting with the different ley lines and to be honest, the whole thing happened really, really quickly for me. My experience of this type of awakening was overnight. Like it was just, I woke up one day and I was channeling beings from another dimension. You know, It was just, it was so sudden. Um, and then I started receiving these sacred geometries, these codes. I later found out they were from the Arcturians. Uh, and within about five weeks of 
starting this process of awakening, I was facilitating sacred geometry DNA activations and like selling out events within like the first few weeks of even having the awakening for myself, you know. Wow. Um, I guess it was quite, yeah, it, it was pretty hardcore. Like it was really just like, here you go. You know, it was all just kind of dropping it at once. Um, and then, yeah, and then then there were some other key milestones in that as well. Because as I started opening up to, to the multi-dimensions, I actually used the process called the Merkaba light body activation. Now, that was something I started in my early 20s, but I didn't have the actual awakening from that until several years after practicing this regularly. So every day I was activating my light body. I was going into these dimensional spaces. And one day I had this experience where I just heard this voice that said, you're in the 13th dimension. And I was like, I mean, I'm, you're talking to like, you know, 21 or 22 year old me who's like, what the hell is a 13th dimension? What is dimension? What are you, what am I even eyeing? You know, I had no idea. So you know, I jump on Google. I'm like, what's the 13th dimension? And then, you know, there's nothing there. This At that time, no one was talking about it. I went through pages and pages of Google search and nobody yeah. was talking about it. So a lot of my awareness of the multi-dimensions came through my own meditation practice. I didn't have someone telling me, you know, this is what the 13th dimension is. This is what the seventh dimension is. Like, you know, I mean, there's just—it's not even that it was misinformation. It was there was no information. <laughs> so, so I kind of just had to figure a lot of it out through that. Yeah. So, okay. So when the channeling started happening, because I this year actually started vocal channeling and um, my Arcturians, and so I'm—is that how it came out for you, or was it through writing or some other way? Uh, the first the first channeling experience I ever had was like a trance channel. So I literally was just like, I could feel the separation between my consciousness and whatever this thing was. And it was just coming through. And it was so fast. I mean, I, I, I know I talk pretty fast anyway, but this was even faster than that. You know, It was just like streaming through consciousness. And I just had my phone there. I just recorded it. And then I listened back to it later. Because at the time that it was happening, it was like my consciousness couldn't even keep up with with the words or the flow of frequency that was coming through. I did. I have shifted that quite a lot since then. Um, my relationship with channeling has changed in the sense that um, there's a. I, I don't trans channel in the same way because of the sovereignty of the human body. So now, when I connect with beings, instead of allowing them to enter my body, I've been able to, uh, and this is through origin activation, been able to work out a way that I can communicate with these beings, receive the same level of transmission without necessarily having them in my body and me getting out of the way, which is your traditional type of channeling. Right. Um, so now it's more, yeah, now, I mean, now I can do it in lots of different ways. I can do it through meditation. I can just, you know, like I can just talk to them right now. I can connect with them just as is. Um, and I think, again, that's after years and years of meditation practice. I also have uh, very physical sightings and experiences. So when I go out and I look at the night sky, I, I have physical flashes. Um, I get a lot of photographs of orbs. So they come through in orbs and pictures as well. They've come through in my artwork because sometimes when I'm painting, I'll just like go into a bit of a trance and something will just appear um, also through to writing because I, I do like writing as well. So sometimes I used to uh, write channel like consciousness stream of writing and then they would come through in that as well. So yeah, lots of lots of different ways that they can come through. Okay, so um, so is it still primarily Arcturians that come through you or are there other entities that are oh, coming I can connect to anything in the multiverse now. Arcturians, Pleiadians, okay. Lyrans, Andromedans, um, beings that people haven't even heard of. I've connected with um, like all, all the archangels or the angelic realms, um, basically any planet in the multiverse in this universe or another universe, you name it, can be connected with. Um, it's all there. It just comes through at different times and spaces. For example, 
Um, like recently there's been through this Lionsgate portal, there's been specific energies, the green Tyra, there's the Lyran frequencies that have been coming through. Um, and then and then at other times it could also be like the whale and the dolphin being, so I can connect with those realms, the inner earth realms, Telos. Um, I can connect with Adama, heaps, heaps and heaps and heaps. Okay. And so um, for the people who maybe don't have the same experience that you have or even that I have, can you can you help navigate what those different maybe messages are from those different beings? Because I'm sure they're a little bit different depending on what group you're talking to, right? Or, do, or is it all the same message? But the essence of all messages is roughly the same. Um, however, I, I mean, if anyone's going to go entering into these realms, I'm huge on discernment. You know, actually, when people say to me, oh, I just channel the Pleiadians or I just channel the Arcturians, that to me is like saying I phone China. I mean, anyone in freaking China can pick up the phone and, like, and give you life advice. You know, I don't know that I'd necessarily take it. So so I'm very big on, um, on actually taking the time to build the connection with the specific beings. For example, I connect with the, the elder Mira from the Pleiadian High Council. I connect with Anashita. She's one of the elders in the High Council of Arcturus. Um, and specific beings, like, uh, for example, Melchizedek, I connect with Tanabor a lot. Um, who else? There's, I mean, all sorts of archangels. But I always like to know specifically who I'm connecting with before I go and take advice from them. The starting point, though, to all of that, and this is something that I teach. I mean, I teach people how to you know, access these gateways. The first starting point is always your higher self, because if you can't connect to your higher self, then you have no way of discerning what any of the other stuff is. And I've had experiences in the past where I thought I was channeling Archangel Michael. Turns out it was a reptilian, you know. Okay. <laughs> so and this is one of the reasons why, why I steered away from trans channeling, because when I was allowing my body to be you know, taken over in that sort of way, because the, the process of trans-channeling requires your consciousness to step aside, it also means your discernment sometimes steps aside. So your capacity to actually know specifically 100% what frequency is coming through is, is just that little bit filtered sometimes. And so when I started trans-channeling, I used to practice, uh, I have a specific discernment practice that I use. And when I use that practice on my own channelings, it might be that, you know, 80 to 90% of what I was saying was coming through Arcturians or Pleiadians or from, you know, high councils and stuff. And that little 10% would get in sometimes, that sneaky little, you know, bit. And so I just have to be really vigilant in myself and my own practice of what is the 100% spectrum of frequency coming through. Because it's non-physical and it is in, in, you know, according to this realm, it's almost intangible, there is a, a like a mixed frequency element that can come in. Very similar to say, uh, if you're tuning into a radio station, so here here in Perth, we have 92.9. I'm sure you have your own version of that. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a standard pop channel, right? And if you just go a little bit off from 92.9 to 92.8, you'll still hear the radio, right? Like you'll still get, but there'll be that little bit of fuzz. And yeah. that's what I used to work with for many, many years in my own practice, just to get that 100% alignment to make sure that wasn't that tiny bit of fuzz coming through, that tiny bit of reptilian energy or, or you know, false light matrix or whatever coming into my channelings. And it's just something that, yeah, for someone who's just starting out, um, I would say to them, before you go anywhere near trying to discern what the different beings are, get clear on your higher self. Because you can, I mean, you can get books out there. Like people have generalized now, this is what Arcturians say and this is what Syrians say. And people have, you know, um, you can get the light languages and all that sort of stuff. But ultimately for me, it was 
activate the Merkaba, connect to the higher self. And once I'm in that connection point, it's very easy to know, okay, this is Archangel Michael, this is Tanabo, this is Anashita, this is my ninth dimensional angelic self, Anahera, this is my 5 self Lily. Like, um, and then the discernment piece of it becomes very, very clear in terms of what specific frequencies you're calling in. And then you can get specific messages that are actually timely for that moment. Again, the essence of everything is the same, but if you're if if you're only ever channeling, say, like a like a collective group, you're only ever going to get a generalized message. Like, you know, a lot of stuff that's out there is like very generalized message of hope, like that sort of stuff. If you want specific advice, that's when you have to really dial in. And if you want personalized advice for yourself or for your clients, you've got to have that higher self-connection. And then what you can do is with your higher self, you can connect to their guides and they can give you very specific, timely messages or reminders or guidance for that person or for the collective at that time okay um great explanation and i do have a question um because i get asked this a lot on our ufo tours from people coming to visit about the reptilians and i have my own experience and like understanding about who the reptilians are knowing there are different reptilian races there are reptilians that reside in different dimensions and so yeah, not all bad <laughs> right, for the right exactly so even though you brought that have up, a bad for sure. <laughs> I want to make sure that the people watching are like, yeah, those reptilians. <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. We don't hate the reptilians. There's actually, oh. can, can I speak to that just a little bit? Because I know that, yeah, I know that people have this, this generalization of different races, like angels are good and reptilians are bad. And it, it hasn't been my experience either, you know, in that when I have connected with different beings, all I see is, is beings at levels of evolution. The same yeah. way that humans are evolving, there are reptilian beings that are going through through a four to five year ascension as well, and and in other dimensional realities too. So again, when I'm when I'm channeling or when I'm connecting with beings, I'm always checking into what frequency their, their primary mode of operation is. And I say that very specifically because as soon as you get past the fifth dimension, five to thirteen is like all unified field consciousness. So as long as you know that you're not in the four D astral, which is a duality polarity plane, then you're pretty safe that the beings in anything in five D and higher is going to be of a of a benevolent sort of nature. Nature. It's only in my experience the beings that are transitioning from three, four into five D that are still in that duality consciousness. And humans are part of that. I mean, heck, we, we kill ourselves on this planet, you know. So we're not exactly like the highest, you know, um, ascended <laughs> beings on this universe. There's definitely, you know, room for a lot of growth. And and at the same token, the way that we have compassion for ourselves as a human evolving race, we can have compassion for those other beings as well, because there are beings in the 3D and in the 4D on other planets, other you know realms who are just evolving like us. And so, yeah, so I think it's really important to say that, you know, some of these beings have a bad rap and maybe it's a bit unfair. And maybe we just need to show kindness and compassion the same way that those beings do for us, because the higher beings that I've always spoken to in those, um, you know, in those spiritual realms, all they've ever shown me is love and compassion. They've never sat there and judged me for where I'm at. I go, oh, you're so 3D or, oh, you're so like duality, whatever. They're just like, hey, Isha, just rise higher, feel the love, here's the love. It's yeah. just, it's a consistent, unconditional love. And I feel like it's about time that as humans, we started giving that to all beings in the multiverse as well, instead of placing our human judgments on where different beings are at in the universe. While, of course, exercising discernment on who we do and don't take advice from, because I think that piece is important. Absolutely. And um, that's what I teach all my, all my people. That's what I love sharing on this podcast. 
what I have in my book. So I love that we are on the same page with that and our understanding because I think uh, there are people who really just can't understand that pol polarity. I mean, they see it in humans and mm -hmm. then they want to lump a certain race into like, no, they're all bad, but just like humans, I mean, it's a mechanism of evolution. That's mm -hmm. how we grow and learn and gain wisdom to then, you know, ascend to these higher levels of being. Mm, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about the origin activation method that you came up with. So was that help from the galactics or was that just something over years you just put together different modalities to create this? It's so a bit of both. Some of the processes inside origin activation are processes that I've learned from other people. The main part of origin activation is actually first and foremost, it's philosophy. And that is the piece that my guides gave me many, many years ago, because when I, so when I first started my business, right after this awakening, within a few weeks, I was running these events and one thing led to another. Next thing I've got a big business. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> it just kind of created itself. Anyways, I was running these classes and I used to teach people how to um, just, you know, connect with energy and stuff like that. Keep in mind back then I had no formal training, no Reiki, no Pranic, no nothing, you know, just like. I think I'd read, like, I'd read maybe a little bit of the pranic healing book. And so I had some concept of energy and some concept of chakras. But when the awakening happened for me, it was just like, like I just got the understanding of where things needed to be evolved from where they're at in the current market. And so we started off by running this energy sharing circle many years ago. And I invited people from different modalities. So if you had studied Reiki or access bars or pranic or whatever, there were heaps of modalities, you could all come to this energy circle and you could interchange modalities with each other and what happened during that particular the first session was I ended up just getting this massive download in in front of this group of people and I realized I was like wow like we're, we're treating the whole paradigm wrong you know because the typical you know the typical mindset and the philosophy in the healing space and I think this is where the biggest shift needs to happen and what origin activation really brings in is that we are we are seeing people as people who need healing and the reason why that's a problem is that then we're not recognizing their wholeness. And so the first thing that my guide said to me was, Isha, stop seeing their brokenness. When somebody comes to you with, an, with a pain or an illness or a, a mindset or an emotional thing that, you know, is maybe not 100% of the, of the highest alignment, can you still see their highest potential? So somebody would come to me and they would say, Isha, my life is falling apart of my, you know, I, I have no money. Like I'm about to lose my rent and my lease next week. Like all this stuff is happening. And what I'm seeing and what I'm holding in their frame is the highest potential, the highest light, the highest vision, you know? So even if the person can't see it for themselves, they walk into my room, I see them in complete wholeness. And what happens is people started healing. So people have spontaneous healings just by coming into my events. They would walk into my room and something would just happen because I was not holding the frame that they were holding. They were holding their frame of brokenness and that's fine. They can do that if they want that. But I was holding a frame of wholeness. And so when I saw them in that, you know, I have, you know, where attention goes, energy flows and that we create the, the matrix and the paradigm that we experience. So when you hold that vibration so strong for someone else, it actually makes it real. So in the moment that they entered my field, wholeness was the only thing that existed, right? Yeah. And that right. was it. There was nothing. There was no two way about it. Um, and so from that, 
yeah, I mean, that comes in the six key principles of origin activation. One of them is you're already whole. The other one is everything aligns to the highest vibration. There's a series of other principles that I go into, and it's the philosophy that really guided the origin activation. And it is more a philosophy than it is a process because the actual processes inside of that are things that I've learned. Some of it has come through the guides as well, specific practices, specific tools, um, you know, color frequencies, how to use certain things, how to apply processes I've learned from other people in a healing context. All of that's come from my guides. But ultimately, it's not about the process because you can ditch all process. Like you, I, I think we're at a point in humanity where we're going beyond modality. You know, back in the day, it was scripts and processes. And now it's like, cool, I don't care what process you use. My students who study origin activation end up developing their own modalities through the process of that because they embody the philosophy. They embody the principles, the universal principles of healing, wholeness, wellness, and frequency to really embody that, that present, you know, that shift. And so, so my students, you know, who've studied with me for a couple of years, they're not using the same processes as me. I don't give them any scripts, none of that. They just know how to tap into source and to download what is required in the moment. And I think that's the key behind origin activation. It really just takes you back to the origin. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, and that's, I mean, just like we all have our, you know, inner wisdom, we all have access to source energy and instant healing within our bodies. And so um, I love that, you you don't have a specific process that then they are just duplicating that they get to integrate it and create their own so that exactly. it, it fits them and that's something that they'll actually do because mm -hmm. so many people are like well no you have to do do it this way you have to use this specific way but what i have learned over the years of doing different practices um, i went to a spiritual school growing up where we learned all different modalities of like really honing in our clairs and doing telepathy and remote viewing and other things. And um, what I now know is that really intention is, is first and foremost, everything. <laughs> and so if you have that intention going into, okay, this is what ultimately I want to create, then the process is not as important. Exactly. Yeah. I think process, process is the secondary layer. You know, it's the thing, like, usually the people who create processes, they'll get the download from source, they'll systemize it, they'll put it into process and they hear you go have a script. Whereas, whereas I think we're getting past that point. I mean, look, humanity is evolving, you know, we don't, we don't need those old scripts and stuff anymore. It's like, if you yeah. can just connect to your higher self and you can connect to someone else's higher self, then you, you'll just get everything you need. You will download processes in the instant moment that you need them without having to overthink, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Am I, you know, should I have used this color instead of that color? Like I know with chronic healing, it's very like, it, it can be very mechanical at points, you know? It's like you do this, like a very surgical procedure almost. You do this and you do this and you do this. And um, whereas other mod modalities are a little bit more free-flowing. And so I think as we, as we go beyond that sense of modality and actually just connect, in, for one person, it might be that they need a violet flame at a particular time. For another person, it might be that they need a ruby flame in a specific geometry at a time. You can't write a book on the on the million different potentials, you know. So you have to just learn how to connect and and give the client what they need in that moment for whatever transformation you're facilitating. Beautiful. So, I guess how like the people that come to work with you is it mostly like physical ailments that they have or is it things like money problems relationships career 
is it yeah tell me about we work with entrepreneurs so we do that in three ways people either come to me for a transformational session so that could be like an energetic clearing blockages etc or people come to me because they actually want to access their multi-dimensional self themselves and we do that through to group activation so at the moment we have the 5d empire within about three to six months of being in there every every client who comes in is connected to the higher self they're connected to their guides and then from there they develop and start learning the frequencies of all the different beings and the third pathway that people come to me is typically the six seven eight figure entrepreneurs who actually want to incorporate this modality inside of their teachings so that's a very in-depth facilitator training and a one-to-one mentorship that um that it's it's very like a bespoke type of experience Okay, so then do you work with people remotely or do they have to come to Perth, Australia to work with you? They can come to Australia if they want, but no, we do things remotely as well. Um, I think we're in a day and age where, where, yeah, we do just need to live stream everything. I mean, just recently, you know, we had the Lionsgate portal and, I mean, there's hundreds of people that joined in this activation that I just, I'd launched it last minute, like just as on the day, actually. I was like, oh, we're just going like, to launch this thing. And um, we had hundreds of people all over the world joining us. And I had this this thought in my mind that I think I think my days of running small local events are far behind me, <laughs> which I used to have. I mean, I, I had a studio. I had a brick and mortar studio. My first business was was very local, you know, and I used to have everything in person. People would come. Um, I think in that way, COVID probably did me a real big favor because as all of that was happening, I just transitioned everything online. And suddenly my, my audience, more than 50% of my audience is actually in the States. So I'm actually coming to America in the nearish future because, I mean, it just seems to be that there's a real big movement. And I think people in America, there is a huge awakening going on right now because, you know, what's happening politically, what's been happening over the last couple of years with the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling that shift in your country at the moment in Hawaii and Florida, you know. And so actually I'm being drawn to come there to actually start doing a bit more work in those spaces and yeah, it's going to have to be, you know, like a, like a global sort of environment, because I think at this point, there's a real need for global community rather yeah. than people just, you know, doing the individual thing. It's like, how can we take those connections? How can we have people in like, you know, 50 different countries anchoring light grids at the same time? Like that's where the power is, I think, right now. I agree. And that's also how I think we're going to really get to that unified globalism approach as opposed to like. One, one thing that I don't like about my country is that a lot of people here are very patriotic and they think that we are the best. Um, I disagree with that. I am a global citizen. If I could yeah. choose not to be an American citizen and just be global, that's what I would do. So I'm curious though in Australia, um, so I, I've only been to Australia one time, but I was married to an Australian for five years. Because So not only was my husband Indian, but he also migrated when he was 11. So he grew up in Australia. So the culture there, it's very interesting because um, it's sort of like the Wild West, <laughs> America, <laughs> right? But then you have probably pockets where, where like people are very open and um, into spirituality. So what's been your experience in Australia? <laughs> I'm laughing because one of my my clients recently did visit from the States to Australia and I, I did a special VIP retreat for her. And um, we always like to we always like to tell the Americans about the drop bears in Australia and it seems to freak them out. Is this something that you've heard before or is this new for you? So which one? The drop bears? 
I am joking. I am joking. For anyone who's reading this, this is a this is a total joke. And and what we tell the Americans is that if you go into an Australian bush, you always have to look above you because the drop bears will fall from the trees on top of you and they're lethal. So and we also like to tell the Americans that that we ride kangaroos to school when we're younger. Right. Well, I'm a former uh, zoologist. And I was obsessed with Australia growing up. So every single project that I ever did in school was on Australia, whether it was the animals or the culture or whatever. So I have, even though I've only been there once, I have a very strong connection to that land. <laughs> I think, I think jokes aside, um, I think we have a very diverse, yeah, very diverse Australian, um, I would say even political climate, like in many ways. Um, I mean, I, I've observed America and I find that in America, things are really intense. We certainly had a bit of intensity here during the pandemic. There were some states that just had some really crazy experiences with um, like the military and stuff like that. So so we have had that a little bit more recently. But um, I think spiritually here in Australia, people are quite open-minded. And there's I don't get I don't see that same level of like patriotism with certain things like over in America people are like I I follow this this rugby team and this is my team and I follow this spiritual practice and this is my practice whereas here in Australia I just find people more laid back you know I think yeah. culturally it's a little bit more chill like you know it's like we can hang out with people with different beliefs and it doesn't have to be a big thing we don't need everyone around us to, to necessarily follow the same beliefs. I know I'm generalizing here and I probably shouldn't speak for a whole nation. I'm sure there are people in this nation who maybe differ from that. But my experience here in Australia is that people are generally quite open-minded when it comes to different types of spirituality, different explorations. And I really like that, you know, because it means that I can run an event here and then there's someone else running a Buddhist thing and there's someone else running a Hindu thing. Someone else is talking about aliens. And like, it's just, there's a lot of free flow here and I really enjoy that. Yeah, I love that. Well, and... I mean, obviously, we have a bigger population in our country. And so you coming here to the States would help really open up um, your clientele if you're finding, you know, the right the right resonance with people. Absolutely. I mean, it just seems to be I, I've, I don't know if what you feel about this. I love your thoughts on this. I'm feeling really drawn to Florida at the moment. There is something happening in that city. I don't know what it is, and I haven't really researched it, but something is just pulling me over there. And I know other people that are in this field that are kind of converging in that area as well. And so, yeah, I just think that there's some big shift happening. I did hear recently that when when all the stuff was going on with the pandemic, that Florida was one of the more free states. So I don't know if that's part of it but I just feel energetically the the grids there when I when I tune in now I'm tuning into the you know the ley lines under Florida and at the moment it just feels like a massive beam of light is coming up from underneath and so I think a lot of that workers are just being drawn there at this particular moment in time for whatever is about to happen in that space yeah um for me Florida I don't resonate with Florida at all but I also, yeah I um I moved to Hawaii from Washington State, so I've always been kind of a West Coast girl, but I did live on the East Coast for a while and in the middle of the country in Chicago and Ohio, and I had the opportunity to go to graduate school in Florida, and I there were two schools that I could have gone to, and when I was in the energy of that, of course, this is back in the 90s, <laughs> so the right. late 90s, so things are probably a little different now, but the energy of Florida back then, I was like, nope, but also the weather for me, couldn't handle it. But you are right. It was definitely through the pandemic, 
um, one of the open states, but, you know, we have spiritual people on kind of both sides of the spectrum in terms of whether they think that's a good thing or a bad thing. We're like Hawaii right. totally shut down <laughs> and we moved here in the middle of the pandemic. We, we actually didn't get to even um, see our house in person. We just, our agent did a video tour and I'm like, okay, that's the house. And we bought it pretty much sight unseen. I have almost identical story because here it's funny. It's it's and I've been watching what's been happening in the states as well. If you right. compare the west to west and east to east parallels, here in Western Australia, the west coast completely shut down, whereas the east, where I was in the Gold Coast, was completely open. For I think we only had like one or two lockdowns or something for like a few days. You know, like we we had the most sort of liberal experience out of everyone. And some people have also said to me, and this might be part of you know the ley lines and stuff. Um, that the the vibe in Florida at the moment is very similar to the Gold Coast. So I think there is some sort of thing going on between there. I don't know exactly what's happening just yet, but I'm yeah. feeling the flow of energy, like west to west, east to east, you know, and just seeing that that parallels between Australia and the States. Yeah, very interesting. So, and Hawaii, like, you know, I had visited here a couple times, but I there there's always been this strong connection of like my first guide that I met was a Polynesian warrior. My number one spirit animal is a manta ray, which we have a resident population <laughs> around here. And, yes. um, and then when I first met um, my Arcturians, which is about, it was four years ago, I also met goddess Pele that same night. And what she, she is, she resides here on the big Island where I live. And she, she was like, the mantas did not bring you here. I brought you here and I put you specifically where you are. And she's like, and I want you to be sharing the message that we as gods and goddesses are really the ancient alien visitors, like on the show. Right. <laughs> so, I, did miss the, I did miss the name of the goddess. It just glitched oh, for a second there. Can you repeat yeah. that? Yeah. Goddess Pele. Right, right. Of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, I only know about it from the Disney movies <laughs> from, uh, uh, what's the one, you know, the kids one. They have, Mo yes. Moana. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I talk about the goddesses and I remember looking it up at some point. Um, I visited actually Hawaii many years ago when I was on the Mount Shasta trip and Mount Haleakala, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Is, um, yeah, the energy there was incredible. Very, very, uh, a lot of star family activity there. I mean, you live there. Have you? I'm sure you've noticed stuff on your UFO tours. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm on the Big Island, which is okay. Haleakala is on Maui, right next door to us. And all of the islands have massive activity. Um, our island, we have a much smaller population than the other islands, um, especially Oahu. And um, so we also have less light pollution and things like that and so people all over our island have talked about experiences and every night we go out to look in the sky we see massive activity because the veil is thinner here mm -hmm. they're one of the highest vortex energy centers in the world and the veil is thinner so anyway so it's a great spot to do ufo tours <laughs> and bet, yeah yeah but there are other spots, like you're saying, with the ley lines and, you know, Mount Shasta is definitely um, a big place for that energy. And just recently, uh, my friend Tracy and I were doing a session with each other 
And we realized there is a tunnel connecting Big Island to Mount Shasta for Inner Earth. Oh, yes. I think I have been aware of that before. Yeah, because when I was over there, um, yeah, I remember connecting in with the different lines. There's actually... Um, so I've also been to a lot of other major sacred sites. So like Uluru, I've been to Lake Titicaca, Mount Shasta, um, Sedona. I just get called to visit places, Egypt, the pyramids. And there's a network underneath all of those places and all of those lines are connected. So I remember going to, uh, I did I did a 7-7 gateway in Sedona and then I did another gateway activation in Lake Titicaca and then over in Mount Shasta. And I, I saw at the time how all of those energies and then across to Hawaii as well was all connected up. Amazing, yeah. right? Yeah, beautiful. When you just mentioned, um, so Uluru is the name, yes. um, that is the name of my main Arcturian guide. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. When do you have such a strong Australian fascination? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and when, when, he told me his name at first. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Sounds like you need to come visit. I, I do. Well, and I have not been to Perth. I've only been to um, East Coast when I was visiting. Perth? Perth? So actually Perth is in runes is City of Light. Like we are literally a city of light and we have the biggest light worker population I have ever encountered in the world. And I've traveled a lot, a lot, you know, yeah. here in Perth, every single night of the week in every north, south, east, west corner of, of our city, you can find healing circles, sound circles, meditations, Reiki, pranic healers. We have a, a Facebook group here for just spirituality, over 20,000 people in it right now. Wow. You know, and there is so much activity. We we don't have the biggest population. We're actually one of the smallest cities in Australia. And we have such a big light worker population here because something about the grid, it's just, it's a massive, massive light portal. And I mean, it literally means city of light. So I think, I think you know, there's a reason why people have been drawn to this particular city and why I've been drawn back because I left for two years and I've okay. recently come back. I did what you did. I also got a house site unseen. <laughs> because there was like the borders were shut and whatever and so yeah the same like I mean you know you probably connect in with your guides and you get the okay and it's all good right so right, right. <laughs> well and now I understand why it was this house versus one closer to Kailua Kona because yeah. here we're in the desert kind of like Perth is in the desert right um, sort of. I mean, we are on the coast, so it's not like desert, desert here. But if you go even just a few hours, I mean, if you're if you're traveling down south in between, you get pretty like desert-ish kind of landscape, like quite, you know, some of it's quite brown and barren at certain times of the year. And then as soon as you go a few hours inland, you're in the Nullarbor. So okay. not too far off, I guess. Okay. So here where, where my house is located, um, clear skies almost every night. And mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like Sedona where it's a dark sky town mm -hmm. because we have the Mauna Kea Observatory right above us where they have to have dark skies for the telescopes on the mountain. So anyway, so it turns out that that is why I ended up here in this neighborhood as opposed to further south where it's cloudy most nights so that we mm -hmm. can actually do our tours. <laughs> I love that. Because I didn't come to Hawaii thinking I was going to do UFO tours. When we got here, that's when we're like, oh, there's a lot of activity. That would be oh, really so new, a new venture for you. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, we just started the tour September of 2021. So, awesome. yeah. Um, okay. So there's so much more to talk about. Um, what, what has been the most profound experience in the work that you do that you've personally had? Just one. There <laughs> are a couple. A couple. <laughs> I think, um, well, one of the key milestones is the one I shared with you before when I had the experience of the 13 dimension. I think that was a real eye-opening experience. The next one after that was my my first, I wouldn't say my first UFO encounter because I'd had a few more since then, but it was my first really tangible and physical encounter. So here in, in Perth, we have a few spots as well that are very UFO high activity. Darlington is one of them in the Perth Hills. And so when you go out into the, you know, the skies, night skies in Darlington, you'll see full on like flashes, lights, like all sorts of stuff going on. And so I was hanging out with my friend there and she's into all of this stuff as well. And we, I was just sitting at a house, we're sitting in the room. And at this point, I was already pretty connected to a couple of different starships. There was one that we were both connected in with. It's called the Mary Ashar. And so it's a seventh dimensional starship. It's a it's sort of a magenta in color, has a seven pointed star on it. Um, there's a few beings on board. Uh, sometimes you'll find Ashtar on board occasionally, but he's usually on his other ship as well. Uh, there's Ashura that was on board. Um, was it the Marisha? No, it was the Shemarua. Sorry, I need to get my facts straight. It was the Shemarua at the time, but Ashura was on that specific ship. And Ashura um, is a seventh dimensional being, whole backstory that I won't go into right now. Basically, we were both connected in with specific beings on that ship. And there was a connection there between her twin flame and my twin flame. And they were both like basically on board that ship at the same time. Because of that strong convergence energy and also the galactic twin flame and the fact that we were anchoring that frequency, we had the most tangible experience. Like I think even like probably even one of the most tangible ones that she's ever had in that area as well. Basically we were sitting there and then she just gets this message from one of the beings on the ship that was like, we're sending down a beam of light. And I kid you not, within seconds, giant white beam of light comes down through, like from the sky, through the room. The whole room is filled with this bright, bright white light. And all I can see is like through the fog, like a thick fog, just like the tiny little outline of her face. It felt like time and space was like completely warped. Like she was only sitting maybe a meter and a half across from me on the couch, you know. But in that moment, it was like she was like miles away, like over in the distance. And it was nuts, man. It was nuts. That was my first very, very tangible direct contact experience because we were already connecting in. I mean, I'd had telepathic contact for, for at least a year, I would say, at that point. Um, but to have that translate physically through, that was the first time that it really came through with that level of strength. Then a couple of hours later, after I'd freaked out and gone like, what just happened? <laughs> you know, then, then I went outside and just above the house, we could see the starship was still there and it just flashed eight times red and blue. Okay. And there it was. I was like, wow. Like, you know, and I think that was the moment for me where I actually stopped, like all the doubt basically left my field. Because up until that point, you know, and, and you might have had this experience as well, Lisa, I was like, when you still first start channeling, there's that part of the mind that sometimes goes, am I making this up? Is this even real? Am I going crazy? What's happening? Like, you know, you're getting these messages. And, and for me, it took a little while to really trust that guidance and to really step into that. After having that experience that was so tangible, so physical, and two witnesses in the room, I was like, there's no way I could have made that up. That right. was the moment for me where I actually internally in myself committed 
to sharing this message of these star beings to the world because I've realized that we live in a society where people don't know about this. Like, how is it possible these beings exist and that 99.9% of the population don't even know that they're here? You know? Right. And that was where my mission completely came online. Yeah, well, that's that's beautiful because that's when I got here to Hawaii. I finally, well, I previous to this, I've had my spiritual business for five and a half years and I was doing past life regression therapy and human design as my modalities. And I had been an experiencer my whole life. However, I kept pretty quiet about it because mm -hmm. most people thought I was crazy. They didn't believe me. And so with my mainstream careers that I had in um, science, I was a biology professor and then I was in mortgage and I was an interior designer for 12 years. If, if I came out as the full galactic being that I am and the connection that I have, um, I would not have gotten, I, I, my paradigm was that I would not have gotten the same kind of business. So it wasn't until we got here to Hawaii that all of that mainstream world was let go that I could actually fully step into this mm. person that I am now. Share the stories because you're right. People don't know about this or they are getting fed fear-based information. Exactly. It's actually the opposite, you know? I mean, there's so many people out there that are still tuning into the false light matrix with the apocalyptic timeline, you yeah. know, which is like the star beings come and everything goes up in flames. And I'm like, no, guys, we need to get out of that. Like, we are co-creating here a smooth planetary ascension where the beings actually are here to support us, guide us, you know, yeah. loving beings, um, and I think I think there's such a big importance at this time for people like ourselves to be sharing this message of hope and truth because people need to know that there is a light pathway in ascension. You know, yeah. it's not going to be apocalyptic. It's not going to be like it is in the movies or the doomsday, whatever. That's the fear-based propaganda that comes through the false light matrix. And that's unfortunately what's embedded in so much of the collective right now. And those are the stories that by us coming out and sharing our loving and positive experiences of healing and connection, we can shift that paradigm for the collective and start showing people that there is a better way. You know, there yeah. is a different paradigm that's being created here. There is. And I'm super curious because um, the U.S. government, they, you know, they're doing slow disclosure right now yes, and yes. really, like, really slow. How, how is the Australian government handling that? Australia's not. <laughs> no, actually, to be fair, no, 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 I won't, I'll, I'll be, no, that's not a fair representation. What I would say is that they, so Australia is leading the charge on this. And actually I've had private conversations through, you know, with my guides, like in the higher realms about how this disclosure is happening and why it's happening in certain parts of it, I can now reveal publicly. So, so basically at, there was a point where it was going to be between America, Russia, and China to do the disclosure, right? Because they're the three biggest sort of names in the field. And some of the discussions that I, that I tuned into they actually the UN was involved as well in some of these, you know, conversations of how this disclosure happens. And basically what my guide said to me is that um, they decided that they had to do it in this slow way because if, you know, because it is because the Americans are so patriotic, like we discussed before. Right. And if the government just came out and said, hey, by the way, guys, this is happening and this is real, the people would go, well, you've lied to us. And yeah. that flip that flip around on the government would actually be really chaotic and not a smooth ascension timeline. In the in the light of creating a really smooth disclosure it's kind of essential for it to happen the way that it's happening now. Even though for some of us it feels like it's so slow and so boring and like hurry up, you know, let's just get on with it. 
looking at where the the general public consciousness is at, I think they've actually made the right choice in doing it a very slow drip fed sort of way because it needs to be in a way that doesn't invoke a fear-based timeline. Because can you imagine an entire country or even, you know, if, if 80% of the population starts freaking out and turning on their governments, that yeah. actually is what would create the apocalypse instead of the opposite effect of like, hey, let's just receive this. And so I kind of see, I can kind of see why things are being done the way that they are, even though it feels so slow and boring and tedious at times. And also with Australia, we have had a very, yeah, very slow disclosure process as well. However, there's a couple of key things that have happened here in Australia where they released on Channel 7 a spotlight feature a couple of years ago that was a whole one hour based on Ross Coulthart, who's an Australian journalist. He actually spent, I think, one or two years going and traveling. He went to America. He got all the footage. He spoke to all the people about the documents and the disclosure, and they allowed him to release a one-hour spotlight documentary. So he created the thing. Then from that, Netflix actually released a feature. It's a 10, I think it's a 10 or 12 part uh, series of, of the disclosure. Now, Ross Coulthard is amazing. He released his book In Plain Sight. And that book, if you actually, I've, I've um, listened to most of the book on audiobooks. And if you if you see the documentary and you see the Netflix series, it pretty much follows the same storyline. So I feel like he's kind of pioneered this whole thing, except See, he's an Australian journalist, yet the, the disclosure is coming through America first, which I find very interesting. So I think on the sidelines, we have had a role to play. And obviously, you know, Ross wouldn't be able to do this stuff without some level of like, you know, government approval or something like that. So I think Australia is involved in some ways, but I know that the disclosure has to come through America first because it's the way that the people are going to believe it. And also just to, to do it in a way that's actually smooth and of a higher vibrational timeline that's going to create a, an ascension process and a disclosure process that people can actually digest. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot, a lot of sense of what you just said. And, you know, for me personally, I don't need disclosure to believe it's real because, you know, I have my own experience. The experience. Yeah. Yeah. But like we have so many people that come on our tour that, you know, some, some people are fully into this, they're true believers, but then their spouse is like, yeah, maybe. But the more I think for people like that, that are a little more skeptical, that's where disclosure is important for them yes. to realize, yes. okay, we're just not all tinfoil hat wearing cuckoos. <laughs> I think it does. For some people, it needs to come through an official source before they go, hang on, I'll believe it. To be fair, though, it already has. I mean, you can do the research. There's yeah. enough There's enough released documents now, declassified documents, that actually tell you that this is real. I mean, if you, you know, for people who want to go down the rabbit hole, it is true. Of course, direct experience is the best method because then yeah. once you have it, well, it's there. It's very tangible. But for those who, you know, might be still on the fence a little bit, the research is already there. You go look at um, uh, Luis Elizondo, you go look at Ross Coulthart, you go look at um, even the uh, uh, Stephen Greer and the, that entire movement. You know, there's plenty of, of well-established people that are speaking about this stuff. The one thing I will say about disclosure, and this is something I teach my community a lot, you don't need to wait for the government to give disclosure to have your own personal disclosure. Because my personal disclosure happened seven years ago for me. You know, and there are people like yourself, you know, and, and I'm sure many other people in our networks as well, who star family have already disclosed themselves individually. So individual disclosure has been happening since probably like the 40s. 
the collective disclosure is dependent on the government. I personally don't want to rely on the government for anything at this point, um, but I also respect the way that they're doing it for the mass population. And for me, I keep my my focus on the, the ascension through the 1% because Star Family have said to me that if 1% of the population can truly anchor the 5D frequency, that's all we need for the collective consciousness to really get to that next level. And so, you know, this is why, you know, I've spent the last seven years dedicated my life to creating courses, um, experiences for people, activation processes, so that you can have your individual disclosure without necessarily relying on, on the government to do it in their own timing, because ultimately it's your connection to the multiverse and you have that wisdom within you. Yes. Well, and so people like you and me and others watching out there, just keep shining your light, keep sharing your truth, your experiences, <laughs> And we will get to that 1%. Um, I, yeah, and it's not long either. I mean, the timeline is less than a decade from now. Yeah, that's pretty incredible if you think about it, mm -hmm. what that shift can be. So, okay, we are running out of time. So at this point, I would love for you to tell people how they can find you and how, how they can work with you some of the different ways we talked a little bit about that, but if you can just um, give give a summary of how people can work. So, so yeah, I work with people in, in predominantly three ways. There are people that come to me, um, business owners who want maybe like a deep level of transformation through the origin activation, clearing money blockages, helping with business vision, strategic plans, that sort of thing. So if anyone here is is you know a coach or a healer who needs to get this stuff out there, I do help people on both the energetic and the practical side of things in that. The second pathway is for people who, I do mostly entrepreneurs, but I work with non-entrepreneurs in this as well, is people who just want to awaken to 5D. So people who just want to get to that frequency for themselves, they want to connect with their guys, they want to up-level their, their frequency, they can join our our weekly activations through the annual membership in the 5D empire. That's open to anyone who is committed to doing the deep spiritual work. And we have a number of courses and, and things that people get included in that. The third pathway is if anyone is listening to this and they are a coach, a healer, who's really here with a global vision and mission, people who know that they're here to really expand their practice to that next, you know, beyond global level. Those are the people that I help through my bespoke mentoring, through the practitioner training. I teach them from start to finish how to actually facilitate these group sessions, these one-on-one -on -one experiences, connect to their entire multidimensional self through one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Um, so the way that you can connect with me, if you go to originactivation.com, that would probably be the easiest way. If you also just search for Isha Patel, I'm on all the channels. You'll find me on Instagram, LinkedIn. We've got a Facebook group with thousands of people. So just drop me a DM. Let me know that you want to join any of our communities and we'll be happy to have you in there. Beautiful. Well, Isha, thank you so much for coming on today and maybe, uh, well, there's an opportunity to come back on in the future um, and we'll see where the world <laughs> is at that point. And for those of you watching and listening, thank you so much for taking the time and we will see you next time on Connection to the Cosmos with Dr. Lisa Thompson. Aloha. Thank you.